When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. I just realized that the first letter of every line of this review (laughs) spells help me. It seems like everyone's a critic these days, blessing the world with our slightest opinions, all on our own mini-platforms. I'm Scott Janovitz. And I'm Greg Conley. We're the hosts of Citizen Critic, a new podcast where we critique the critics and review the reviews of your favorite movies, music, television, toasters, toiletries, and paint colors. Listen to Citizen Critic on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, today's topic is women and smoking. Cigarettes. Women and cigarettes. And uh, there was this really big Surgeon General's report in 2001 that highlighted the fact that 22% of American women smoke cigarettes. And it's kind of interesting just because a mere 100 years ago, that number would probably would have been like 0.4%. Yes. It would have been really small because the only people that smoked uh, from about the 18, you know, from, you know, until about 1920s, the 1920s, the only people who smoked in public were prostitutes. And, well, the only women who smoked in public. Oh, that's because true. may I point to a New York Times article in 1901 which warned that women's smoking of cigarettes was, quote, growing to be a menace in this country. And then in 1904, a cop stopped a car on Fifth Avenue because one of the passengers, a woman, was smoking inside. It was that deplorable. And then we fast forward even to 1919 to a New York Times article quoting a man saying, I hate to see women smoking. Apart from the moral reason, mm-hmm, they really don't know how to smoke. One woman smokes, smoking one cigarette at a dinner table will stir up more smoke than a whole table full of men smoking cigars. Women can't do anything and certainly not smoke cigarettes. That last part was my paraphrase. <laughs> so yeah, women who smoked in public were, were loose, were morally questionable. Men smoked as a very male activity because you had your pipes, your cigars. All these things that women were too delicate to handle. Um, and, and it was really, you know, it would have just been unseemly for a woman to be seen smoking a cigarette. But, but then, but then the tobacco companies realized that, hey, we are missing out on half of our potential market share. That's right. And so we have really great advertising campaigns to thank for women smoking. Hence our question of the day. Were women tricked into smoking? And, you know, we don't want to say that, you know, the decision to pick up the cigarette was anyone but the woman's. You know, obviously, you've got to take some responsibility for, we're not saying women were tricked and, you know, the, the lighter was lit for them and they stuck cigarettes in their mouth. Obviously, any any ad campaign, we make our own decisions. But some pretty great ads were made to entice women to smoke starting in 1925 uh, when Lucky Strike put out the campaign Reach for lucky instead of a sweet. And so this is the very first time in which smoking is linked as this weight control tool. 
uh, you know, women wanted to be slim. They wanted to fit into their cute little flapper dresses. So they're saying, hey, instead of eating chocolate, just smoke. Mm-hmm. Keeps, you know, keeps the weight off. Yeah. And before then, women, attractive women had been used in tobacco marketing, but it was to attract men right. to it. They go from this position of using women to entice the men to creating women that other women are going to want to be like. So they're going to want to be skinny like the models, hence the Lucky Strike Act. But also, same time we've got going on stuff about women's liberation, mm-hmm. the women's movement. World War One had sent women into the workplace for the first time, so women had gotten that little taste of independence. So they, they took advantage of that and made this independent woman who did smoke. And what they did in 19... 19- 29 was a guy named Edward Bernays, the so-called father of modern public relations, decided to send a whole bunch of these so-called independent women down the streets of New York on Easter Sunday, smoking in public. Right. And they referred to their cigarettes as torches of freedom to really drive home the point of, hey, ladies, we are liberated. And you know how we demonstrate how liberated we are? We smoke, we smoke in smoke, public. We smoke a cigarette, just like the men do. Yeah, we take up this tool of the men, we throw off this inequality, and we will smoke in public. We will not deal with any of these men in the New York Times saying that we can't do it. We are going to do it. And, you know, we'll go into the workplaces and we'll do everything we got to do to be equal. And, uh, and it worked really well. Yeah, and th- I think that the ad campaigns surrounding women and cigarettes are interesting because on the you you do have uh, either focus on body image mm-hmm. or on liberation, and it somehow all like worked beautifully. It did. You know, I thought the Virginia Slim stuff would be kind of the first stuff where feminism would be tied in with cigarette smoking, but no, they're they're going at it from way back in the twenties, and. Uh, They continue, obviously, to use these aspirational figures, either the pretty woman that we all want to be or the enlightened modern woman we all want to be. And that does culminate in that 1968 ad for Virginia Slims, uh, You've Come a Long Way Baby. And people say this is just one of the best ads ever because feminism is is roaring up, second wave feminism. People are, you know, it's, it's, it's prime time to appeal to a modern woman with this kind of slogan and sell her a cigarette specially made for her. Yeah, because in the meantime, cigarette companies had done a great job with getting film stars to smoke, getting them free cigarettes. And if you watch films from the 30s, 40s, 50s, all of the leading ladies, almost all of them are always smoking. People are smoking left and right. Um, But then, yeah, with with Virginia Slims, we have more of the rise of these specifically female like Capris and Misties and Virginia Slims cigarettes that are just for women. Yeah. In 120 years, we went from prostitutes smoking, those being the only women who smoked in public, to cigarettes being specifically female and, uh, and you know, a sign of enlightenment and freedom and all this. And uh, what's interesting is this doesn't end. Obviously, any good campaign kind of keeps going on with this aspirational marketing of, you know, you want to be this person, you want to be thin. Um, and one really interesting thing that happened is, you know, we've talked about how feminism can be kind of a dirty word in this day and age, Kristen, like a lot of people don't identify with it anymore. It means something different than it might have meant to women in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And Virginia Slims has had the same problem with that kind of image, this you've come a long way, baby. They found in the 90s that didn't appeal to their target buyer anymore, and they needed to kind of uh, lose that strident feminist tone and take a more empowering tone that didn't, you know, rub people the wrong way. Yeah, because their market share actually dropped uh, with the decline of, I guess, uh, the 
like you said, the popularity or the acceptance mm-hmm. of the term feminism and the idea of feminism. But then in 2007, R.J. Reynolds came out with a new women-targeted cigarette, the Camel Number no. 9, mm-hmm. which were obviously geared toward women because the camel on the cover was pink. They had it had teal piping on it. Even the uh, the the piping around the filters on the cigarettes were pink. I mean, come on. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a stereotypical girl, but I don't smoke and even I thought those cigarettes were pretty. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they definitely appeal to that kind of feminine demographic. But, you know, this has been a very U.S. centric look at how cigarettes have been marketed. And one of the most interesting things that you found, Kristen, that kind of spurred the whole podcast is that as countries around the world develop more and try and model themselves in some ways after the U.S. as a developed country, that's when women start smoking. Right. If you look globally at the gender gap in smoking, taken as a whole, five times more men smoke than women do. But when you break it down country by country, that gap starts to close depending on how industrialized the nation is. So with the U.S., the gender gap between men and women who smoke is pretty pretty slim, about mm-hmm. roughly as many men and women smoke in the U.S. But then when you head to very underdeveloped countries, far more men will smoke than women. So there's this analysis of 74 countries, and then it found that um, men are five times more likely to smoke than women in countries with lower rates of female empowerment, such as, such as China, Indonesia, Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, and Uganda. But then as the countries will begin to become more um, gender equal in the workplace, with more women getting out of the homes and getting into the workplace, they start to smoke more. And they link it back to this idea of cigarettes targeting women with this message of female empowerment. True. And it's, you know, it's the same thing we saw in the 20s. In the 70s, they'll go into these countries and say, hey, you know, in countries where women work like you do, they smoke, they, you know, they have a hard day and then they smoke a cigarette. And so that torches of freedom idea is sort of being exported around the world with development, which is Mm -hmm. so weird, but um, interesting. And I guess, you know, not a great thing to export around the world because there is evidence that smoking cigarettes affects women in more negative ways than it does men. Yeah, the World Health Organization, just for a, a quick overview, calls cigarettes one of the biggest public health threats the world has ever faced. The annual death toll around the world that's linked to tobacco is more than 5 million, and it's actually rising and could reach uh, 8 million by 2030 unless smoking stops. Because when you, if you were to put um, smoking-related deaths on a, on a pie chart, it is, it is only risen in recent decades as the women had started smoking, smoking became more acceptable in the 20s and 30s. So as they age and they've been smoking for years, they're developing emphysema uh, and heart problems and lung cancer. And lung cancer is actually a bigger killer of women in the United States than breast cancer. That's right. And there was a really good article in the New York Times about chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which was thought of as this men's disease because it was the men who were smoking for so long and having uh, this mix of emphysema and bronchitis. But now women are are showing up with those symptoms more. And a really interesting study out of Norway showed that um, in cases where the, the level, the symptoms of COPD were equal, equally bad, the men had smoked for more years than the women. So women didn't have to smoke as long to have a severe, as severe case as men of the COPD. And in men and women who had smoked the same amount of time, 
the women had m- much more severe cases of COPD. Um, like Kristen said, lung cancer is a big deal. I mean, it's, it's hard to think of any disease in which smoking is not a risk factor these days. Um, and there's evidence that women have a harder time quitting, which is a, a good reason never to start. And, um, you know, that doesn't even touch on reproductive factors and the dangers that come if you smoke while pregnant. Right. Um, and just hitting, touching back on the issue of quitting, doctors think that since women are more prone to depression mm-hmm. than men, and since with people who are trying to quit smoking, relapse often happens with some type of emotional trigger. You get extremely stressed out. You want to reach for a cigarette because that's been your crutch in the past. And women might have a harder time grappling with those emotionally triggered urges. Right. So they're actually doing some kind of interesting research about ways that they can complement the traditional patch or, or, you know, gum that you might have for women so that they get a little bit more of their needs met on that emotional side that will keep them from uh, a relapse when they're trying to quit. But one thing to keep in mind is that most people who smoke start when they are teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and 30% of girls in high school smoke, which is more than the the 22% of American adult women who are smoking. So clearly, habits start young. Well, and you know, another thing that the 2001 Surgeon General report uh, that I mentioned earlier found was that women, those girls that you mentioned in high school that do start smoking tend to overestimate how many other people smoke. So I think one reason why it was kind of cool to highlight the advertising is so, you know, if you're a teenage girl out there and you see some ad in a Cosmopolitan magazine or something like that, that shows the cool girl smoking. It, it it really is not probably as widespread a trend as you might imagine. But I have just to close out a bit of trivia for um, this is I, I threw this trivia out actually last night to a friend. It's my favorite bit of trivia. I'm probably going to keep tossing it out to strangers. <laughs> so in 1971, the very last television commercial for cigarettes before it was outlawed aired. And it was for the brand Virginia Slims. Mm. And what famous female cartoon character used to smoke to shill for Winston brand cigarettes, Molly? That was Wilma Flintstone. Yes. So I guess what we can take from that is that Bedrock was a very egalitarian society mm-hmm. since uh, that tends to be a, a prerequisite for women to smoke as much as men. You know, and Fred probably kept Wilma pretty stressed out. So <laughs> I, I would bet. You know, there you go. So a little, a little cigarette trivia to close things out. And if you would like to send us trivia or thoughts or anything related to this episode, you can email us at momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And I have an email here from Jennifer. It's about the vitamin podcast. And she has one exception to sort of the position we took on vitamins. She writes, I've been a vegetarian for 14 years. When I was a freshman in college, I started to notice that I was just so tired all the time. I slept 10 to 11 hours a day and still had to force myself out of bed. When I went to the doctor, they told me that I was seriously anemic. This is common in women, especially in vegetarians. So my mom gave me an unlimited budget for buying iron-rich foods, and I learned about other foods to combine them with to optimize the iron absorption. However, even with the perfect diet, I needed iron supplements to keep from slipping back into anemia. Now that I am older, I still maintain a healthy, iron-rich diet as much as I can without eating meat. But if I go off iron supplements for several months, I start to notice that I'm getting lethargic, short of breath, and a blood test will show I am anemic again. I suppose I could solve this by just eating a good old steak, but I just can't do it. So for me, iron iron vitamins are essential for a healthy lifestyle, and many vegetarians may not even realize they're anemic and should get tested annually by their doctor. So thanks for that, Jennifer. 
I've got an email here from David, and this is in response to our podcast on abortion. He writes, the one thing that you did not cover in the podcast is the effect on men. If you do a Google search, you'll find books, groups, retreats that can help with the abortion process. I'm just putting it out there. As a man who's had to deal with this, I hope that others can find the help they need as well. And that is a great point that David brings up. Abortion certainly affects men just like, well, as it does affect women too. So if you have any thoughts to send our way, momstuff at howstuffworks.com, head over to Facebook too. We can get in touch with you there and you can interact with other listeners. Also follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. Then you can follow us during the week on our blog. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben, dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.